This is the PGA of Canada Professional Development Podcast Series. Industry leaders, PGA professionals discussing technology, fitness, planning your business, building your career. These talks, these ideas, developed for you to live a better life and earn a better living. first installment of Hit Your Second Shot First with Paul Horton, the PGA Canada's National Teacher of the Year and National Coach of the Year. I'm Bruce Dobigan here with the man who's been selected among the top 50 elite junior golf coaches in the United States of America. In these podcasts, we're going to try to explore everything from the inner game of golf to the latest innovations in equipment and the influencers who've shared Paul's unique approach and sort of formed his philosophy. Hi, how you doing? I'm great. Thanks, Bruce. I guess the first order of business is for the listeners to get to know you and your philosophy of coaching and, and life. There are a number of probably already know you, but let's start at the beginning. Where'd you get started in golf? Well, there is some evidence of a picture of me uh, way back when with a golf club in my hand as a toddler. But I really remember starting the game. Uh, my dad got me introduced to it uh, when I was 14 years old. I started caddying at Mississauga Golf Club. And caddied for players like Nick Westlock, who's in the World Go- or the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. Uh, also Eddie Shack, <laughs> famous uh, Maple Leaf. Um, so that was my introduction. I started to fall in love with it, but I only played golf um, once or twice through 14 and 15 uh, on par three courses. And at 16, I really got hooked on the game and, and fell in love with it. And I, uh, prior to that, I was playing a high level. Um, of hockey and soccer and and consuming what I did athletically and and then golf became uh, my my love and passion at that time so I worked pretty hard over the last uh, or the the next couple of years and and started to break par a couple years later. What hooked you on golf? You said you had other sports you were interested in. What made you sort of make that turn and say this is the this is the sport I want to pursue? Well I think a lot of things but uh, the challenge of the sport um, I was intrigued by uh, uh, the architecture and the psychology of it um, and, and just the challenge of how difficult it was at first, where the other sports uh, felt a little easier. Yeah. You, you said your dad was the guy who also introduced you to it. I, I, I gather you've kind of come to your curiosity about this, these things, not just from the kinetic and sports point of view, but your dad also helped you in another way in terms of uh, the kind of person you've become and the kind of teacher you've become. Yes, my dad was a psychologist um, and ended up working for the school board, one of the school boards in Ontario. Um, and I found myself in high school writing um, you know, golf psychology essays and, and such, uh, which might have been unusual for kids <laughs> at the time, but, but I, I really uh, gravitated to that side of it and so there's more to it, but, but a lot of parallels to other sports. So I don't think it was uncommon at that, at that stage. We're going to talk about it, and we're hopefully in the upcoming podcast, we're going to talk in depth about some of that stuff. But what's a guy in his teen, teenage years writing? What sort of psychology were you examining? What were you looking at? 
I think it was pretty basic stuff. I mean, and sports psychology, I think, at its core, is pretty simple, right? But but complicated at the same time. Um, just how to handle pressure and, and different situations that arise. And every day in golf is different, where in a lot of other sports, the, the field dimensions are the same. Um, the rink's the same size, the tennis court's the same size, yeah. and, and not a lot of changing elements, where in golf, the course differs, the, the wind and weather changes, and, yeah. and so forth, and the conditions change. So there's a, a lot of factors that, that uh, you know, affect how the mind would work. What did people around you think of you incorporating both the scholarly and the athletic at the same time? Because usually people are one side or the other. What was the kind of reaction to it? Um, you know, it was, I guess, mixed at the time, but but um, I didn't care what anyone else thought. I just, you know, I, I felt that that was the way to go for me. And it's it's underneath all of my, my years of coaching. It's It's been a passion of mine to sort of understand how the mind works and how can we make the game easier to learn, teach, and master? And um, you know how simple the, the brain can be, and and yet you know it. it uh, we we see many players, you know, crater in, in certain situations, and why do they crater, and and why do others rise above that? And, and so that has always interested me. You you were talking about uh, Caddy Mississauga. I know it very well. My dad was a member there for a number of years. Not only was the area you were in have a lot of great golf courses, but it was also a great time to be a young person coming up in golf because there were some really seminal figures there and people, I guess, who affected you. People like George Knudsen and Ben Kern. Talk a little bit about George Knudsen and his effect on you. Well, I, uh, he was my first professional coach in 1980. Um, I was uh, a 20-year-old kid. Uh, I was asked to turn pro at 19 because I started shooting in the 60s uh, back then and um, I went to George for some help and he was teaching at the National Golf Club. Um, and, you know, he um, he had his philosophies. He just finished playing the tour and, and uh, probably at that time, the you know, Canada's top player winning eight times on the PGA Tour. Um, and I had saved up some money uh, to go get some lessons. My dad said, I'll pay for half and, and I ended up paying for half and, and uh, that's how that got started. And it was kind of ironic in 2011 when I won the National Teacher of the Year Award that, that you know, it was the first year they put George's name on honoring him. Um, so that was cool to win that at that time. Um, and he had a great influence, obviously, at the very start of my career. Um, you know, one of the best ball strikers ever. Um, you know, he, he wasn't a very good putter. I had a chance to play with him back then. And, and I, you know, I got to witness firsthand at the National where he three-putted the first two holes. And I, I said, I guess it's true. Uh, but he was such an awesome ball striker and, and a really good guy. And, and we lost him too early. I did his, his clinic when he was doing them over in Buttonville, uh, when he was doing his clinics for a number of years. And the detail that he got into and... He was he was obsessed with the swing itself. He wasn't obsessed necessarily with outcomes, but he, he he just seemed to love the biomechanics of it. And for a young guy like yourself at that time, that must have been a real boon to see somebody who could apply those kind of things to golf as opposed to just the usual sporting things. Yeah, for sure. He he had it uh, all laid out and initially had helped the Canadian PGA uh, at that time, which is now the PGA of Canada. But um, he he had set up a teaching manual, and it's it's been massaged. You know, since, uh, but he laid the, the groundwork for that. 
You mentioned another name. Uh, you mentioned being up at the at the national, and of course that brings the name Ben Kern into it as well. Ben was another guy who had some influence on you. Tell us about that. Yes, uh, just prior to Ben, I, I I should mention I had the opportunity to watch Mo Norman practice on more than one occasion, and uh, I worked at a golf club uh, in Toronto called Summit in Richmond Hill, North Toronto, and um, I started there my PGA career in 1981, um, and I had a chance to watch Mo come down. We had a secluded secondary range be beside the first green in the second hole, and. It was about 175 yards long, and he would he would shag his own balls, and and I was uh, uh, he was good enough to allow me to come down and just watch him. So it was just me and Mo, and and I didn't say much because there wasn't much to say at that point as a young kid, and and but it was it was awesome to to witness that. And so a few years went by at Summit, and my my boss at Summit was a former head pro at the Mayfair Club in Edmonton. And um, he was always in the know. He's a master professional, and he he said there's a job opportunity at the national. I think you should apply. So I went over, and Ben Kern was the director of golf at that time. And I I almost went and worked for Ben um, in 1983, 84. And as it turned out, uh, I ended up uh, getting a job offer at the Calgary Golf and Country Club at the end of 1984 and I moved out to Calgary in, in the spring of 85. So, you know, that was that was my move west and, uh, and I didn't look back. Must have been tough though, as a Toronto boy, the assets that were there, you, were, you know, the fact that you had access to a Mo Norman, that you had access to a George Newton, et cetera, to go across the country, I mean, it's a beautiful Willie Park track, the, 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 the Calgary Country Club, et cetera, but that must have been a big move for you. It was. I was. I was uh, 24, 25 at the time. Um, I remember my car breaking down the day before I left, and and uh, basically uh, moved out with my my clothes and my golf clubs, and that's all I had. And and um, uh, moving away 2,000 miles from home was was a little bit unnerving at the time. Um, but you know, I look back on, on those years, early years in Toronto. Um, and, and the experiences I had with Mo Norman and George Newson and Ben Kern, uh, I didn't realize it necessarily at the time, but it, it's pretty cool looking back at that and how, how you know, influentially were with Canadian golf and golf in general. Yeah, I've, it, around here we've sort of had Sean Foley around a couple of times and sort of access, but people don't understand how rare it is to get people and, and the lessons that George and, and that Mo imparted are ones that seem to have stood the test of time because in golf every five minutes is a new theory and they seem to have stood the test of time. For sure, I think Mo had probably the greatest mind in golf where he, and he truly never hit a bad shot if he did he completely forgot about it within seconds and and he was off into the next shot I, I remember I brought him out to Calgary to do a clinic for us in 1992 when I was a director of golf at Country Hills Golf Club and it was pouring rain it was raining very hard um, and he phoned me and he said do you want me to come and do the clinic and I said well it's pretty nasty out what do you think he said well you're paying me anyways I may as well come out and he, he did this clinic um, for our membership and there was a good crowd. It would have been obviously much bigger with, if the weather wasn't raining so hard. But uh, he had one. He had a series of shots that started off with his wedge, and I remember a, a dotted line of of balls that you could lay a string down, and these balls would be all on the string at, at increasing distances. And 
you know, he had a, a bunch of drivers on our first hole, which is quite narrow uh, in, in the landing zone. And he missed one drive to the right. And I remember clearly one of the members saying, what happened to that one, Mo? And he, he said, didn't see it, didn't see it. <laughs> you know, and, and he goes into his next shot. And he said, look at that, best shot I've ever hit. You know, it's, it's on the green. So, um, you know, he was tremendous, um, obviously tremendous ball striker, but he, he didn't let, uh, you know, mechanics or anything else. It was just he did his thing and he knew what, what he could do, right? So it was yeah. awesome. So, so you're in Calgary. Uh, you're working as a pro, and you're you're sort of coming up in the industry, etc. How is the coaching and teaching thing evolving for you at that point? What what are you thinking of then? How are you seeing yourself in terms as a coach and a mentor? Well, I, I was at Country Hills in the early '90s, and I could see the industry changing, where there was a need for specializing in areas like teaching. Uh, I always enjoyed teaching, and I taught a fair bit as a as a club pro. Um, I would say, uh, at, at that time I was becoming more of a GM at Country Hills and I was spending most of my day behind my desk and on the phone and I didn't enjoy that as much as being with the people and, and playing and teaching the game. So I, I decided to branch out, uh, in 1994 and open my own golf academy, uh, which was a little bit scary because I hadn't, uh, really left a job before and I had a decent job, but, uh, you know, the first few years were a little lean and then it started to snowball on me and I, I built up a reputation and hired some staff and uh, it led to it led to my passions changing where I really developed a strong passion for teaching and, and a hunger to sort of find out how we could make this game easier to learn, teach and master. You've talked about at a certain point that, you, you know, at one point you were teaching A, B, C, and D, etc. And then you realized that you wanted to be at A. Can you explain what you meant by that? Yes. Back in 2009, uh, again, the industry, I could see a changing where there was a need for coaching and, and not getting stuck on that, that step one of cause and effect, that step one to mastery. And uh, I realized after hiring a business coach that it would be in my best interest. I was very busy at the time at, at Golf Canada, um, directing the instruction there at the Calgary Center. And the, the years, I was, I was at a point where I was booked in advance, maybe eight weeks, and my A clients couldn't get in to see me. And it was a good problem at the time, but I thought maybe it's not that good a problem and that I can't look after my, my, my best people. And uh, so the top, 20% of my business is looking after 80% of my business. And um, so basically I decided at that point in time that I turned the pyramid upside down and just work with A clients. Um, a clients being not necessarily strong players, but, but people who were committed to the game and more enjoyable for me, more rewarding. Um, and, and so I decided, you know, I, initially I raised my rates and I got busier, I raised my rates again, I got busier. Um, they kept coming. I said, well, now I, I just moved my B and C clients down to the uh, associate pros that I was working with. And I, I just, I, so I ended up working with less students. So my goal was to, to coach players and do work with less students and do more for them in the end. And, and I think uh, as it's turned out, it's been a great, great move for me and, and uh, a great move for the people I work with. You've had a chance to work with some big names people would know, professional golfers, etc. But I get a sense in talking to you that one of your great satisfactions is working with 
very young people who are just coming into the game. Explain why you find that so, is so intriguing. Well, back when I decided to go into coaching and uh, my meetings with this business coach, I developed three focal groups uh, through a, a number of talks with this business coach um, and realizing that I couldn't be everything to everybody. And the three focal groups I set up, one of them was competitive kids, um, ages sort of 12 to 18 or 13 to 18. And for me, it's, it, it's really cool to see the kids evolve from their early teens to their late teens and, and how they grow and mature and um, they all get better and they all hit it further and so that's a win-win for everybody and um, it, and it's really cool to see how they grow mentally and, and socially and the whole works and uh, so that's the most rewarding for me and you know I've had a chance to work with with a few tour players and, and the most joy I get um, is really seeing these kids uh, improve and some of them um, were very good and many have moved on to NCAA and, and Canadian uh, university scholarships and um, you know it, it's really rewarding for me and, and there's a whole bunch of them that have, have gone on and turned professional so mm -hmm. that makes me feel good that I've, I've helped their journey um, you know to that point. Just a couple more things uh, how would you say you've changed as a coach? Well, yeah, that's a good question. I, I look back at the early years in the early 80s and um, giving lessons uh, back then, uh, I realized, you know, how bad they were when I, when I looked back and wish I could give them their money back. <laughs> but, you know, I, as a young pro uh, starting out, you know, I, I was eager and figured I knew everything. And in the end, you know, after 37 years, I... I've learned so much, but you know, I realize the more I learn, the the less I know. Kind of thing. There's so much out there to learn, and I think one of the keys for me is I've always been a, a passionate learner and, and and interested in how can I get better and how can I make the game easier, um, and how do people learn? So there's a lot of things that that I learned through self-help programs and and books and seminars and whatnot outside of golf. Um, that that really helped elevate what I do. So, uh, finally, uh, just a little bit. You've also became become known as a, as a putting guy. You've you've been part of the Aimpoint program, etc. Uh, how did you come to that? And and that's evolved a little bit over the last few years as well, hasn't it? It has. It's. Um, I got introduced to Aimpoint in two thousand eleven, early in two thousand eleven, and. Um, Back then, it wasn't as well known as, as it is now, and it was uh, initially way more complicated than it is now. Um, so I started uh, the process in the spring of 2011, and uh, John Graham, who's a PGA professional uh, in New York, he was uh, Mark Sweeney's right-hand man at the time. And Mark Sweeney's the inventor of Aimpoint, and he's a sort of mathematician, uh, uh, computer programmer, golf geek. And he, he spent two years putting this computer program together to see gravity's effect on the golf ball. And um, it was very intriguing to me and, and I got consumed by it and, and I could see the potential for this uh, early. Um, and so I went through a series of months after watching John Graham come out and, and conduct some clinics. I shadowed him for a number of clinics and then 
practiced and studied and, and uh, they had a written exam back then for the certified instructors and I brought Mark Sweeney out to to Heritage Point actually in September of 2011 so he could watch me conduct some clinics to see if I was worthy of his brand and it was interesting back then because I was uh, involved with Stephen Ames at the time I had a, a full clinic on a Sunday morning and I didn't know if Stephen was coming or not and he phoned me Saturday night and he, he said, what time does this thing go? And I said, it's 10 o'clock. And I had a couple of hotshot juniors in the class. And sure enough, he showed up at 10 o'clock for the clinic. And uh, it was pretty cool for the <laughs> attendees there to have Stephen come over. And yeah. Mark Sweeney, you know, he said that uh, we'll know in five minutes whether Stephen takes to this or not. And he sure did. Um, and that's that's helped him along with his putting. Uh, so the, the program is really, at Aimpoint is all about... Um, how we teach players how to measure side tilt in their feet. Yeah. Um, so we feel the ground through the feet. And we, the ball's going to break because of side tilt. Um, and so we, we teach initially how they measure side tilt and how they can feel it. Um, we learn to, to educate them on how to put a value to that, whether it's a little bit or a lot. And uh, there's, a, there's a process for short putts and, and a slightly different process as the putts get longer. Uh, but it's really quite simple. And uh, last summer, I had an eight-year-old kid run through the program, and he ended up being the best putter in the group, and a <laughs> uh, pretty phenomenal kid. Uh, so it really it, it's it's very simple. Yeah. Um, you have to work at it. And I think you know I, the question I get, or the the comment I get from a lot of people is, I'm I'm a field putter, and I say great because this will just enhance your feel. It's and if. If you're not doing it, it's it's a no-brainer for me yeah. that uh, it, it's because it's so simple and it will enhance whatever you're already doing. It's not yeah. changing necessarily what you do. It just it just gives you a better a better target to go for. Well, we're hopefully going to talk about. We'll do a, a podcast on putting. We can talk in a little bit greater detail, not not just about aim point, but about putting, about the psychological issues in putting as as well. Uh, you talked about George Knutson and <laughs> what happened to him at the end of his career. He, he just gave up on putting. I, I just I guess finally, what was your reaction when when you get a call and they say that you you know the PGA of Canada is naming you the National Teacher of the Year or the National Coach of the Year? What what was your reaction when you got those calls? Well, I was actually in Phoenix. I was at the uh, Champions Tour Q School, and um, I was working with a few players in the tournament and sitting, having lunch with Gary Hallberg, and uh, got a phone call from our president, and uh, he said, oh, I'm another national award, and I, <laughs> I said, thank you very much. Uh, so obviously, it was a, uh, a huge honor for me. Um, so it, it's it's a really a, it's kind of the pinnacle of of what I've been striving for. And when I got into the PGA way back when, I I had set certain goals along the way, and I I think that's important for young pros to to set your goals. And my goals evolved and changed. And and so when I got into the coaching side, I wanted to be the best I could be and be be the best. Uh, and so it's uh, it's been a long journey. It's been an enjoyable journey, and and very proud to be a you know PGF Canada National Coach yeah. of the Year. It's been fun watching you. I guess we've known each other now about almost fifteen years or so. It's been fun watching you and watching you get these honors. They're well deserved, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing these podcasts over the course of the summer, and people can get into your philosophy, etc. I look forward to it. Uh, it should be a good year in 2018. Thanks very much.
You've been listening to the first installment of Hit Your Second Shot First with Paul Horton, the PGA of Canada's National Teacher of the Year and National Coach of the Year. I'm Bruce Dobigan. We look forward to chatting again. You can find the podcast on the PGA of Canada's website, on iTunes, or on my website, notthepublicbroadcaster.com. Till next time, hit them straight. Round, round, round.